Hello, church. God bless you all on this wonderful Wednesday warm evening. How's everybody doing this evening? Good, good, blessed. Amen. Glad to hear that. We sound a little encouraged. Glad to hear that. So we're going to open up today's service with a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask if our brother Carlos can come up and open us up in that prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for uh, your mercy and your grace, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be able to just come here uh, into your house, Lord, Father God. Uh, Lord, uh, we pray and ask that whatever you have in store today, that we would be able to just open up our minds and our hearts, Lord, and just receive your word, Lord, Father God. I pray that you would uh, just bless Brother Enoch, Lord, Father God, and that your Holy Spirit would just lead him and guide him, Lord, Father God, into uh, our studies tonight, Lord. May you be with all the children here uh, and all our teachers and, and anyone else, Lord, Father God, here on this campus. May you bless each and every family that's represented here, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. And we just pray for blessings, Lord, tonight, and that you just uh, continue your works in us, Lord, Father God, and through us. We thank you for all this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue on then with, uh, with our Bible study tonight. So how many of you guys were here on Sunday during baptisms? Yeah? What a powerful time, right? We had such a great time. I think it was, what was it, like 15 people that got baptized during our English service and about eight uh, for our Spanish. And one thing that I was noticing as these people were lining up right here to get baptized was the diversity in, uh, in age. We had people from eight years old to people in their senior years. And I'm like, wow, this is powerful because what we're, do you guys remember what we said about um, the Holy Spirit last week um, that the Bible talks about in, uh, in the book of Joel? The Bible tells us that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, right? And your young, uh, how does the verse go? And your young, uh, young man will see visions and your old man will, uh, will dream dreams, right? And so I'm like, wow, this is, this is the fruition. We're seeing it right here in action. We're seeing it in person. And so I had a powerful time seeing that. And so uh, I mentioned that not just because it was a powerful time, but also because Acts chapter 11, what we're about to read right now, talks a little bit about it. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go ahead and open up now to Acts chapter 11. And we'll read the first couple of verses. So when you have it ready, we can say amen. Amen. So the word of God says this, beginning in verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized them and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being led down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. 
I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up into heaven again. So here we see a continuation, essentially, of chapter 10, right? So if you guys remember, uh, in chapter 10, what happened in chapter 10? The Holy Spirit came down upon the house of Cornelius, which was a Gentile house, right? People who were Gentiles, they were not Jews. Um, And so this is Peter now presenting himself before some of the elders of the church and some of the other disciples and telling them what had happened. But as we can see, there was a little bit of criticism going on right here. Verse 2, we see that it says that the the circumcised believers criticized them and said, you were in the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Do you guys remember why? It was because... According to Jewish law, a Jew could not interact or even eat or enter the home of somebody who was a Gentile. So if you guys remember, a Gentile is somebody who is not a Jew, who does not follow the Jewish faith, does not come from the line of Abraham. And so you have these uh, Jewish believers, and they're saying, Peter... Why are you going into the house of uncircumcised men? And why do you eat with them? Right? Because he, it says, scripture says that he stayed uh, there for a couple of days. And so there was all this interaction going on. And so it's bad enough that he's already interacting with them. Now he's eating with them. Because Gentiles, if you guys remember from last week, if you were here, Gentiles ate unclean animals. So animals like pork like um, shellfish, such as shrimp and things of that sort, right? So, man, they were missing out. They were missing out, right? But, um, but thank God that he remedied that. He's like, it's okay. It's okay, Peter. You could go ahead and kill and eat. Hang out with these people. These people are part of my plan too. My salvation is not just going to be restricted to the Jewish people. It's going to be for the entire world. And that's what we saw last, uh, in the last chapter. Right? So now this chapter is a continuation of that. But he receives this criticism, like we're seeing, right? So Peter is there being criticized, and so he's tr- he, he starts defending himself, right? He starts recounting the tale. We read a little bit of, of it right now what was going on. And then he ends with this. Uh, in verse 15, as I began to, uh, began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. So he was referring to Pentecost right here in the upper room. Then I remember what the Lord said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave him the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. 
Amen. How many of you are grateful that salvation is for everybody? Amen. So now we have to think of, of this from a Jewish perspective, right? So are we already mentioned all the things that are clean and unclean, right? And the Jews and a couple of things that Jewish people couldn't do that Peter was doing. However, we also can think about it from a more political perspective. So if you're a Jew, not only um, was Peter going to the house of somebody that was considered a clean, unclean, he was going to somebody that was an officer in the Roman army and to the house of a centurion. If you guys remember, Cornelius was a centurion. And so this centurion, he's an officer in the Roman army. The very same Roman army that came, that invaded Judea, which is the land of the Jews, the same army that was oppressing people, the same army that was oppressing them with heavy taxes, that was on many times pillaging, murdering people, and oppressing them, period. So for the Jews, not only was, was Cornelius an unclean person, he was a person that was actively taking part in all these atrocities that were going on to the Jewish people. So these uh, Jews, that, that's why they were so anti-against Peter going into the home of Cornelius. But when Peter explains to them that they had received the Holy Spirit, they kind of open their eyes, right? They say, okay, they have no further jeopardy objections and praise God saying so then even to Gentiles God has granted repentance that leads to life right now we'll see in the couple of next verses that they don't follow this posture but at least they're getting the idea right that God is not just relegating salvation to the Jews but also to the whole world now why is this so important to us today well there are very there are a lot of reasons and I think that many of the times when um, the Holy Spirit is moving, we need to have discernment to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. Amen? We see here that the Holy Spirit was opening the avenue for salvation to reach the Gentiles, but Peter wasn't seeing it. And the other Jews were not seeing it. And even once they saw it, there was a reluctance to accept change. Because with change comes a lot of things, right? It comes fear, it comes doubt, it comes insecurity. You don't know what's going to happen, what's going on. And so there was all these things going on in the Jewish people. And so I think it's important for us to always be rooted in the Holy Spirit. When we put our minds into this story, we're reminded that we need to be full of that same Holy Spirit to be able to discern that change. Because the Holy Spirit is always moving. Amen? The Holy Spirit is always moving. I'm reminded of a story in the Old Testament of when David is trying to build a temple. And David is praying to the Lord and he says, David, I'm sorry, he says, Lord, I want to build you a temple. And what does God say? God tells him, you know what, David? You can go ahead and build me a temple. I don't need one, though, but I appreciate your effort. Go ahead and start prepping the work, and your son can build it. But I don't need a temple, because God's Spirit is always moving. 
That's why, if you guys know the story of the Old Testament, the symbol of the Holy Spirit was the Ark of the Covenant, which was something portable, something that was always moving in tents. And so, in us today, now we're that Ark of, of the Covenant today, because the Holy Spirit resides in us today now, right? So we're that modern Ark of the Covenant. It says the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So... That's why it's so important that we consider this story. Have to realize that the Holy Spirit is within us and we cannot be afraid of change of where the Holy Spirit is leading and directing us. Another reason why this story is so important, if you guys, um, so important to not be stuck in our own circles that we often try to create, Right? Um, the Jews were, like I was mentioning, they were afraid of change. They were afraid of moving forward. And how many of us as believers are afraid of that as well, right? We've got to remember that these people had never interacted with um, or had seldomly interacted with someone that was Gentile. So they were approaching people who were of a different language, of a different culture, different values, different traditions. So it was a little difficult, right? For these people, for the Jews to accept the Gentiles when they were so different, and especially having been raised up the way they did in such a strict law, right? And how many of us know that sometimes we can get in the same way, right? Sometimes we stick to our own Christian clubs. Sometimes we stick to our own you know, cliques, our own little societies that we create ourselves. And when that happens, the gospel doesn't spread. And we're going to see that later on. That because the Jews did not want to preach to the Gentiles, God had to use other people. God had to go to Paul and other, apost uh, other, yeah, other apostles to, to be able to speak the word. Because the Jews were reluctant to accept the Gentiles. Right? You know, um, we cannot be stuck because then we become stagnant. And what happens with stagnant water? Does anyone know? Starts stinking. And we don't want to stink, right? Amen? So we always got to be flowing with that river of the Holy Spirit. So if I can put it in, in a practical example, right? Uh, how many of us are oftentimes invited to a party where we know there's going to be alcohol or drug abuse that's going on, and we decline because we say, well, that's, that's not for me. That's, you know, I'm a Christian. I, sh I shouldn't associate with that, right? Because we often hear that verse from Proverbs, um, bad company corrupts good manners. I don't know if you guys remember, I've heard that verse. So... So we oftentimes stick to our own and don't want to go out and expand, right? But what if we decide to go to this party and we say, no, I'm not going to partake. I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to partake in anything that separates me from God. I'm going to be holy, right? A lot of times we think of, of holiness as sinlessness, but that's not the whole truth, Sinlessness is a key part of being holy, 
But being holy also means following the will of God. And so I, I think it's, it's when in regarding holiness, I think it's safer to say that um, God is not repelled by sin, but rather he is attracted to sin for the sake of overcoming it. And so we ought to be the same way, right? Because we're followers of Jesus, and we ought to follow in his vocation. And so following this, we also need to expand to people who don't know the gospel, amen? You know, you go to this party, and maybe somebody says, hey, you want a hit of this, or you want some of that? And you're like, no, thank you. I'm a, um, and they ask you why. Oh, well, I'm a believer, and boom. That's your opportunity to spread the gospel right there and then. Amen? So I ask ourselves, I challenge ourselves, what, what in our lives needs to change regarding that, right? So that's, that's really, really important. Verse 17, when they heard this, they had no further objection and praised God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So, church, I encourage you, you know, let's go out and let's preach the gospel. Let's get the word out there. Let's not be confined like the Jews were, right? Because even though there's a lot of people who know the gospel to today, how many of you guys know that there's still a lot of people who don't? There's still a lot of people who don't. And there's so many avenues in which we can reach them. There's media, right? There's social media. There's, um, right, we have all those digital platforms now, right? I, I have a tablet with me right now. And we have laptops. We have all those things. And, you know, I like to think of it this way. Moses was using tablets when he was in Mount Sinai, Right? And then Jesus used parchment. And then Martin Luther used the Gunperk Press, right? Make books. And now we're back to tablets. But it's still the inspired word of God. It doesn't lose its power, right? Got to get out there, church. Got to get out there. Amen. So now going on to verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So look how interesting this is, right? We, we talked last week about the stage being set, right, for the gospel to spread across the Roman Empire, right? There was persecution, but with this persecution, bad as it was, it was also catapulting the church into different other places, little sparks that will start to start up a fire of the gospel right there, right? The church started expanding into Greece, to Macedonia, to Italy, all the way even to Spain, which was like at the extremes of the known world back then. So the church was going on, it, it was spreading, it was spreading. However, look what, um, look what verse 19 says towards the end. 
spreading the word only among Jews. So even after this happens, even after the story with Cornelius happens, where they see that the spirit is not for the Gentiles, the Jews are still reluctant. They're still reluctant and they don't want to preach to the Gentiles. So look what ends up happening. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. So because the Jews weren't preaching to the Gentiles, some of the Gentiles who had already become believers, they decided, you know what, we're going to take matters into our own hands, right? Look how God is. Remember that verse when Jesus said, if you don't speak, the rocks will cry out, right? The Jews were refusing to speak, spread the word. They wanted to keep it relegated, trapped only within themselves. So God pulled out other people. He said, I'm going to do it. I don't need you. I don't know, Pastor Manny, if you could pull out that, uh, that map. I, I put a little map right here. So towards the... Western on your right-hand side, I'm sorry, eastern right-hand side of your map, map right here that you see, you see Syria, right, and Judea, that's where all these events were happening, and I think the, the letters might be a little too small, I don't know if you can read that, but there's a little island right there, right, Cyprus, close to Israel, next to where it says Syria, so that's not part of Judea, so that means they're Gentile people, so people from there, people from an island are hearing the word of God, a very secluded island, mind you, are hearing the word of God. And they're saying, no, we need to get this out to more people. The Jews aren't doing it. Let's go ahead and let's do it ourselves. So that's what they start doing. And they start traveling to Antioch. If you see Syria right there in the little green, right above it is Antioch. That's one of the major cities. We'll read about it a little more right now. It's one of the major cities in the New Testament. It's called the Gateway to Asia Minor. So that area above it, is Asia Minor, and it's divided into what you can call states, uh, as you can see right there. So it's important that we learn this, not just because it pertains to this story, but also we're going to see that from now on, because the gospel is being spread to the Gentiles, we're going to see the disciples, mainly Paul, traveling now. So we're going to see them traveling to, uh, you'll see it right there, you see that little arrow that's uh, when Paul is heading up to Rome, I'm jumping the gun a little bit right there, but you'll see that Paul visits may, many of those major cities right there, spreading the gospel. We'll see Berea, we'll see things that happen in Athens, in Ephesus, and so on and so forth. So super important that we start uh, learning a little bit about where these places are. So right now, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, which is right there next to Judea where the Jews are, they say, we got to get the word out. We've got to spread the gospel to those who don't know. And the fact of the matter is that I think God knew what he was doing. I know God knew what he was doing because this was the per one of the perfect times to travel. Because at the time, Rome was in control. Rome dominated the ancient world at that time of Jesus. And so the Romans had built excellent roads. The Romans had aqueducts. There was generally peace. So it was a perfect time to travel right there. So that's why uh, it's so important that we learn that. And, and so those men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they go out and they start preaching the gospel. 
And verse 21 says, The Lord's hand was with them, and the great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Amen? So we see that the church is really, really starting to expand now into Gentile territory. Verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So there's a fun little first fact. It was here at Antioch, that city that we just saw, where believers were called Christians for the very first time. And so originally, the word Christian, it comes from the Greek meaning Christos, um, um, Christianos. If you know Spanish, you know it sounds exactly like Christianos. So in Greek, the definition means little Christians. So it was originally a term meant to mock the believers. Oh, you guys are little, little Jesuses, little Christs. Um, that, that's what it meant, right? But as we can see, as you can see, it, um, it turned into a rallying cry, right? That's who we are. We're believers of Christ. We are little Christ because that's who we ought to be, right? Reflections of his love. We're all imbued in the, in the Mago Dei, in the image of God. So we all, in essence, are little Christs, right? So that's a fun little fact. And the last couple of verses here say, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So this is, this is a quite interesting story, and it, it's a little bit funny if you think about it. So it, there was a famine during the reign of Claudius, and if we read history, we see from ancient historians like Josephus and Tacitus that uh, Claudius' reign was 13 years, and throughout those 13 years, there were five years of famine. So, um, so that's pretty bad. And how many of you guys know that in the ancient world, it took a really long time to recover from something like that? Because there were, there were no logistics back then like there are today, right? There are no airplanes. Everything has to be by boat. It's slower. Travel through land, through camels is not only slow, but also expensive. You've got to find car uh, caravans, guards, etc. And so there's this famine in the land, and look what happens. The disciples, verse 29, the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. So the disciples that it's referring to here are the disciples in Antioch, in the Gentile country. So disciples, brothers and sisters, who were in the Gentile country, 
are now gathering help to send food to, vet, to the very people that want to reject them. Isn't that, isn't that something? How many of us are often like that? I can, I can testify that you know, sometimes maybe where the Lord humbles you a little bit, you're, you're, you're thinking of something about somebody and you're like, man, this person uh, did this and that and that. And then later on, as you're talking to him somehow, they're like, oh, let me bless you with $5 for coffee. Here you go, man. And you're like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> wow. Is that ever? Well, I'm not going to ask that question, right? But, but that, that's funny, right? That's funny. The very people who are being rejected by the Jews are the very people who are sending help to, right? How many of us know that we as believers, that's who we ought to be in life too. We ought to be reflections of Jesus, sending help, be emulators of his love, right? So what did we learn today? We learned in the first half, right, that as believers, we can't be stuck, we can't be relegated to only one person, one, one people, one click, right? We have to expand the gospel. We can't just be, sep- um, we can't be separated from everybody else, right? The gospel is for everybody, for all people and from all ages. We were witness to it last Sunday, right? We saw kids as little as eight years old and people in their senior year accepting Jesus. The Holy Spirit is always flowing. It's always moving. So I ask, I ask us tonight, what, what is the Spirit doing in our lives? And what is, there, is there anything that is hindering us from seeing that? Right? If any of us are journalers, I'm a journaler, I love journaling. This will be a good writing prompt. So let's, let's examine ourselves and let's see. Because the word of God is for everybody, amen? There's, um, there's evangelism classes going on. I don't know which building, but I know it's, somewhere. I know it's on campus. Uh, led by our brothers uh, Robert, Desiree Chavez. And so if you don't, you don't want to come next week, you want to go over there, Awesome. You can go over there and then you can watch the replay uh, later on if you really want to see the Bible study from next week. Right? There's no excuses, church. Right? We got to get trained up. We got to get, uh, we got to get ready. Amen? Got to be ready in season and out of season. Right? Can't be excluding people because the gospel is for everybody. Amen. Right? These uh, these uh, Christian uh, these Christian Jews were, were criticizing Peter because um, they believed that you still had to follow the law of Moses to to be a believer. And how many of us know that Jesus came not to, like he said, not to destroy the law but to fulfill the law? They, they thought that people still had to be circumcised, that people still had to follow those Jewish laws that were established, but it's not, 
actual circumcision that counts, but it's of the heart that counts. It's that our hearts are clean and purified by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen? So, these people were, the, um, the name for them was Judaizers. So these were the Christian believers. I know I'm backtracking right here. These were the the Christian believers who who were still Jewish and still thought that they had to follow the law, right? And these were the people that were trying to exclude everybody else. So let's not let's not be Judaizers, amen. Let's be all inclusive, all inclusive, because the gospel doesn't care what you are in regards to race, gender, ethnicity, social status, etc. You are an image of God. That's why, none, that's why nobody's created with two, uh, two same fingerprints, right? We're all, God's not a duplicator. He's, he's a creator. We're all each. We're all unique. We're all one, right? God created you for a very special purpose. So I encourage you, church, let's be doers of the word, not just hearers, and let's, let's reach other people for Jesus. Amen?